the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, welcome to the show on this Saturday, October 28th. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. We've got a packed show, so let me tell you real quick who our guests are. We first have noted columnist and author and writer, uh, Mr. Cal Thomas, all the way from Washington, D.C. We've got uh, Tom Homan, the senior statesman on immigration and the border crisis. We've got Sheriff Alan Castleberry from uh, Junction, Texas, uh, Kimball County. And our final guest is Mr. Matt O'Brien from the uh, Immigration Reform Law Institute, my friends. We've got a fantastic lineup. Let's go to our first guest Cal Thomas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got a special guest with us today, um, Mr. Cal Thomas, noted uh, columnist, journalist, uh, commentator, uh, a legend, a legend. So we're very, very honored to have him on again. I wanted to chat with him because, of course, he's been he's got a new book out. As well as he has uh, been writing about the craziness, my friends, and that's the only description I can give you, the craziness on campus, campuses across the country regarding the, uh, the uh, Hamas terrorist attacks in Israel recently. Cal, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, my friends. George, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's talk first about about first of all about this situation where we've got uh, university campuses erupting in favor of the terrorists. I am not sure what these kids or these faculty members are thinking. What is going on, in your opinion? Oscar Hammerstein, the great lyricist, wrote a uh, song for the musical South Pacific years ago called You've Got to Be Taught to Hate. And these kids don't pick up these notions uh, out of the blue. They have to be taught. It's reinforced on some uh, anti-Semitic websites and, of course, peer pressure what they're getting in their schools. Uh, it is, I wrote uh, a week or so ago, that the thin veneer that has been covering anti-Semitism in America has been ripped off in this uh, Hamas invasion and murder of his Israel and Israeli civilians. And I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. I think we're seeing something that rivals what happened in World War II, and we all know the results of that. Six million uh, Jews murdered by the Nazis, and there are people who want to restore that. You see on websites Hitler's picture showing up. They had a football game over the week, uh, a weekend at, uh, I think it was Michigan State or the University of Michigan. Somebody had managed to hack their scoreboard and put up a picture of Hitler. Uh, it, it's just amazing what's going on. But again, it begins with the education system, and our education system is broken. It, it is uh, It is really, really disturbing to see that, particularly uh, also on, on our um, uh, up on Capitol Hill, where we've had uh, a very, very emotional outburst by um, uh, Congresswoman Ilion Omar and uh, her friends, the squad, uh, just having a... Uh, I mean, they scream for an immediate 
an immediate ceasefire, but they never they never talk about recognition for the state of Israel. No, these people are not uh, real representatives of the United States. They're representatives of agendas that uh, are harmful to the United States, Israel, and the world at large. Uh, What we have here, and I, you know, I've been saying this for years. But, of course, I'm called a bigot and an Islamophobe for doing so. You have an infiltration of this country. You see it at the southern border. Iran has bragged about uh, smuggling agents uh, into this country to, uh, to do us harm. Uh, you have a huge population in, of Muslims in these districts that you mentioned. Uh, but then you also got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York, who is a... You know, a time bomb that's gone off some time ago. But these others, uh, Rashida Tlaib especially, is the worst of all. She was out at a demonstration a few days ago, uh, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel. Uh, but they, they put these people in these districts uh, to elect uh, Muslims who believe, as they do, that Jews are evil and that they need to be eradicated and uh, the Jewish state called Israel is is uh, illegitimate and the Jews are occupiers of a land that belongs to Palestinians. Now, all this stuff is taught in the schools and, and kids get it and they go out and demonstrate as we've seen in the past few days. It's a disgrace. Now, let's talk about the schools because um, we are seeing here in Texas, here in San Antonio, in fact, we are seeing situations, again, where the school boards uh, dictate, where the school boards are acting uh, unilaterally, and they completely ignore or avoid uh, any input from the parents. Uh, you know, it, it is, it, that is very, very disturbing within itself. Well, it is, George, and uh, elections matter, and people need to pay, pay attention, not just to uh, who they're voting for for president and members of Congress, but uh, the, the most uh, uh, effective uh, way to uh, indoctrinate a child is at the public school level, and we've seen that all over the country. Uh, the other thing that we've seen as a result of COVID and the shutdowns and people having to homeschool their children is a vast increase in the number of parents who have decided to do so and who have found out what has gone on in their public schools and what is being taught. Drag queen story time, critical race theory, a false uh, historical narrative of the, of the true history of the United States. Uh, no more pledges of allegiance in some schools to the flag in the, mor- in the morning because too many students are there from other countries. Uh, I mean, it, it, we've got to pay attention to these school board meetings if you're going to keep your kid in these public schools. My recommendation is that people don't, but not everybody follows my recommendation. So it's it's critical to know what's going on in your school. It's critical for the, the, the school system to realize that they are not the primary authority in a child life the parents are this is what propelled glenn yunkin to the governorship in virginia he took the side of the parents and in loudon county virginia you've seen the, the tapes uh, you've you've heard the stories you read them in newspapers parents started showing up at school boards the meetings but the problem is that the justice department then uh, declared that some of those who were speaking out against what was going on as the equivalent of terrorists so the government, the state, is not on our side. We have to take back the power over our children and ourselves as well, or that, we lose it. That, that is very, very true. We have seen repeatedly uh, where where parents are asked to to leave events, and we've asked, we've been seeing here in uh, in San Antonio where we've um, had vacancies on school boards, and the school board refuses to uh, open up as to who's going to be who's going to be uh, selected, not elected, but selected to be on the uh, on the school board. Let me uh, right, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, uh, a lot of these people have agendas which go beyond the kind of education I got, math, reading, science. If you look at uh, the numbers, uh, the United States is far behind many other countries in the world uh, when it comes to basics. Uh, do you think China is worried about diversity, equity, and inclusion, <laughs> and gays, and what bathroom you're going to use, and locker rooms, and uh, how you can identify, and your pronouns? They're not worried about that. They're, they're, they're 
worried about uh, getting their kids the best possible education from their point of view so they can uh, attack the West, attack the United States, uh, take over Taiwan and the rest. So what are we doing? We're doing just the opposite. And, and you see how many American children are falling behind in the basic necessities. Now, I didn't, when I got a decent education at a public school many years ago, uh, they weren't focused on all of this stuff. Uh, and uh, I did okay. I got a decent degree from a major university and they weren't into all this stuff either but since the uh, the hippies and the yippies and all those people took, started taking over our education system in the mid to late 60s it's been just the opposite it's now indoctrination it is not education so true let me ask you about an event uh on friday november the 3rd 2023 here in san antonio that uh is going to be about um the efforts to have pro-parent school boards and uh, non-political education for area uh, children. You're coming in for a benefit dinner. Tell us about that. Well, I'm very proud of my granddaughter, Crystal, who has set this up and has been very active uh, in uh, this effort that you mentioned. And so when she asked me to come and be a speaker, naturally I said yes. Uh, I, I think it's important for parents to realize that we have the real power in the end. The reason the left and the secular progressives have been able to take over so much of our education system is that we have not been sufficiently involved. Our founding document begins, we the people, not you the government. Uh, They don't own our children. We own our children. They are not responsible for their intellectual and moral development. We are. And uh, we don't send our troops into foreign countries to be trained, let's let's say in Russia or China. We train them here. But why would we willingly send our kids into these uh, secular progressive institutions and do nothing about changing them. So I'm going to talk about some of that and uh, sharing some of the things that are going on not only in Texas and your special session that the governor has called there, uh, which I think is very worthy, although I'm concerned about the bill. It's being loaded up with a lot of stuff that is unnecessary. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and school choice is part of it, but uh, the uh, the uh, Republicans apparently have gone along with the Democrats on this and saying only 10% of those who want to exercise school choice will be able to do so. Well, that's not true school choice at all. I mean, the teachers' unions, the secular progressive left, are very, very worried about this movement that is beginning to sweep the country where parents take back the power. They have a choice on where they send their children to school. And uh, if, if they lose their power, then they're going to lose elections. And if they lose elections, uh, then we're back in control again. You got it. Let me tell the people real quick where they can uh, get tickets for the event. That's Friday, November the 3rd, 2023, folks. And uh, to get tickets, you can uh, go to the website parentsunitedforfreedom.com backslash 2023 benefit. Please uh, get your tickets and uh, join us. Let me ask you one last question, Cal. Are you going to bring, uh, are, are we going to be able to get autographs and purchase your book while you're here. Oh, well, if you want to, I guess I'll bring some <laughs> along, George. Yeah, if I ever amount to anything, people can sell it on eBay and, uh, and and make a profit on it. But yeah, it's called A Watchman in the Night, what I've seen over 50 years reporting on America. I think it will be a, a great for younger people who didn't live through all of this. And for older people like me, it'll be a reminder of where we've come from in the last 40 years and what we need to do to move forward. So give that website address again, if you would, because it's kind of long, yes. and uh, people may need a pen to write it down. Or if you have a phone number, maybe you could give that as well. Yes. Again, folks, it is parentsunitedforfreedom.com. Parentsunitedforfreedom.com backslash 20, 2023 benefit. So, folks, we've got to get uh, out and support uh uh, the parents, we've got to support our our, our uh, efforts to control the school boards for which we pay, and uh, this is good. Cal, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today, and uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you, my friend. Good. Same here, George. Thanks very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got my very good friend, Tom Homan, who, in my opinion, is uh, the leader of the pack when it comes to uh, this whole border crisis issue. Uh, he is the knowledgeable one. He is the one that's been uh, that kind of took on this whole issue to begin with at the very, very beginning publicly. And uh, I wanted to get him on because um, 
Uh, Tom recently was in Israel uh, visiting and looking at their border and uh, came back with some ideas. And uh, no sooner does that happen than look at what's happening in, uh, in Israel now. Tom, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. You got it. Tell us, tell us about what you saw, what you're seeing right now in Israel, and how. Uh, what are your thoughts about what is happening right now at our own border? Well, look, I, I dare anybody to look up my areas and facts in the last two years. And the last two years, I've been saying, look, the fentanyl crisis is terrible. The, the trafficking of women and children is just terrible, evil. And But I've been saying for two years, my, one of my biggest concerns is the national, national security failure on our southern border. Because as I said many times, uh, border Patrol has arrested people from 171 different countries since Joe Biden has been in office. Many countries are countries of terror. They've arrested, you know, including the northern border, over 500. So I ask you this, you know, if, if, if they've arrested over 500 people on terrorist watch list, and we got 1.7 known gotaways, these are not, I guess, these, we, we know 1.7 men crossed the border and got away based on video drone traffic and camera traffic. If you don't think a single one of that 1.7 men gotaways didn't come here to do us harm, they come from a country sponsored terrorism, then you're a moron because you're not paying attention to the data or just a mall averages. But I went to Israel for the sole purpose. I want to see Israel brags on their border. I know we work closely with them and we build our wall and we, we you know, kind of share technology. But I never, I, I was never in Israel uh, to actually look at what they constructed. You know, they got, they got several borders, right? They, they border four different countries and they also border two territories, you know, um, the Gaza Strip being one of them. And, um, you know, two territories um, where the Palestinians live. Now, some of the borders, like the border of Egypt, not real sophisticated, not real, you know, not, not a huge giant wall, double wall system because Egypt's been the friend. Uh, but they do have border security, they have great technology, just no, no huge concrete wall that they have in other places. But where the dangerous are most, where they know their enemies are just feet away, they built you know, a, a, a two wall system. The wall goes deep in the ground, all the way down to the water level, the uh, water table. So there's no way to dig under. Uh, and they got great technology. While, while we were standing there and we were getting a, a, a preview from the, the Israeli guard, we got drones flying overhead. We got men in observation towers. They're actually automated machine guns. If someone gets to a certain point, there's automated machine guns that would, that would take them out. Uh, and Israel takes border security seriously because it's a matter of life and death. I used to say that the only difference between Israel and us is they have tight border security because because they because they're willing they're fight to survive. It's a matter of life and death for them. But you know what? We got to say the same thing about the United States at this point. It's, it's a matter of life and death because we got over you know, hundred thousand people dying from fentanyl that came to the open border, right? We've got uh, about seventeen hundred migrants have died in U.S. soil trying to cross this border. Uh, we have mortgage ladies who have died in that border. So at this point, this border is so out of control. It's a matter of life and death for us, too, I really, truly believe. So looking at Israel, my, my, so when, when Israel attacks happen, the first thing I thought of is, is look, they got a hell of a wall system down there, great technology, and where their best wall system is, where their best technology system is, I'm obviously able to get through it. If they can get through that kind of uh, wall system and with that technology, with some of the technology better than ours, what's that say about our southern border? We have 70 to 90% of agents pulled off the line process of humanitarian crisis, very few agents have to patrol on the border. Matter of fact, I know you know this, in Eagle Pass and El Paso just this past month, every agent was pulled off the line in those sectors to process, which meant there was one, there's not a single uniform in that line. So if they can get to Israel's uh, sophisticated wall system, what's that say about our southern border that's wide open and very vulnerable? You go, the, the There has been a discussion the past couple of days uh, to uh, allow uh, Palestinian refugees into the United States. Uh, however, very few, I'm not sure of any um, Arab states neighboring there that have agreed to take any Palestinian refugees themselves. Uh, you know, cannot we help people over there, uh, particularly people that are not very fond of the United States? <laughs> well, there's, there's several countries over there that should take them. And we give them millions and millions of dollars every year. 
if they're not going to step up and help with the, what they consider a humanitarian crisis over there, then we ought to pull the money from them. Because, you know, why are we always the ones that take people and, and take care of them when, when most of them don't want to leave their homeland? They want to be there with their culture and their, and their people. And, and so these other neighboring countries like Egypt that we give, you know, um, quarter billion dollars a year, they ought to step up and do the right thing for these people. And look, um, the, the problem with bringing to the United States, in my opinion, it's just like the Afghanistan National Food Brought to the United States is a vetting process. Now, the government can say, well, we vet them. And they will, you know, but you can't vet them if you don't have the information available. <laughs> right. For instance, Afghanistan, most of the records in Afghanistan are, you know, when they took over the government, they're in control of the Taliban. They're certainly not going to share terrorist information with the United States, who they hate and despise and want to see us destroyed. So, so you know, people in you know, Palestine and, and, and down in Gaza... A lot of good people down there, I'm sure, but we don't know how we vet them because the vetting is only only as good as the information and technology available. And many of these countries, including uh, uh, down in Palestine Authority, have very few records or, or not up to date, you know, a modern system to track information. So unless these people are encountered, you know, on the battlefield by DOD, uh, very little information is going to be there to us to vet. So. Bottom line is, we really don't know who these people are, even if we vet them to wherever the database we use. Like, when we vet people on the southern border, yeah, they go through the terror screen database, but unless they were countering a battlefield, unless there's intelligence on them, they could be, they could be no record at all, and they can still be a terrorist. They just haven't been caught or realized yet. And so, that, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. The, that's the danger. Yeah, and, and and you know this whole situation then uh, is uh, the, the it's complicated by you know Hamas and Hezbollah already declaring that uh, if the United States gets involved any further, uh, they're going to take action on uh, against the United States here in our uh, on our uh, homeland. Uh, how I mean, how uh, concerned should our elected officials be, let alone our citizens? They should be very concerned. Look, it's the same people that hate Israel hate the United States. And just in Afghanistan, that, that chaotic withdrawal, that, that failure of the Biden administration, they released thousands of people from their prisons whose sole purpose in life is to destroy the United States. And we got a southern border wide open. I'm telling you, this is the biggest national security failure in this country since 9-11. And, you know, it's a put in perspective. Well, how do you know terrorists are coming across the border? Well, I'll say this. Like I said, they've arrested over 500, including the northern border, but he, he, from terrorist watch list. But here's what you need to consider. After 9-11, these people came over on visas, and they came over with plane tickets, and came to the United States through, through a, a, a quasi-legal legal process. But after 9-11, we created all these different databases and vetting programs to try to vet people before they get a visa and before they, they get a ticket to come to the United States. We got the you know, we got TSA no-fly list. You got the visa security program. You got the FBI terrorist watch list. And the visa security program was very successful because we, we prevented, because I was as director of ICE, I, I own part of that. So we were very successful. We, we prevented thousands of people from getting a visa that had some sort of derogatory information or background check. And again, we don't have all the information, but what we could find. So it was pretty successful. However, now, what terrorists were putting themselves in the position to be vetted, to be vetted through these programs and maybe outed if there's information existing on them, when they could simply go to the southwest border, go to Mexico, and cross illegally and get away like 1.7 million others did. Yep. That's a danger. People need to understand this. Terrorists are going to use the route of least resistance, and that right now is our is our borders, both the northern border and the southern border. More known suspected terrorists off the watch list have been arrested on the northern border than the southern border. If you can believe that, that should be scary too. And, and, and you know, and again, all you need is one terrorist to be successful. That's all you need. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, and, I'm, and I always I always say when I give speeches, I'm on a network. I can't tell you how many terrorists have crossed the border since Joe Biden's been to the White House, but someday we're going to find out, and it's going to be a bad day for America. Scary. That's scary. We're going to let you go, but uh, tell tell the folks about your your movie and uh, anything that else that you're up to, buddy. The folks, uh, we just started a nonprofit, 501c3c4, Border 911. I brought a team of of great border experts. Uh, Again, we're not looking to make a dime, but we'll spend the next year going across this country 
I mean, trying to educate the American people why border security matters. Trying to explain to them it's just not about illegal immigration anymore. When you cause a crisis this big that overruns the border patrol, that makes us vulnerable to fentanyl's kill over 100,000 Americans. It makes us uh, vulnerable to uh, trafficking, sex trafficking of women and children. It makes us vulnerable to, to like we just talked about, terrorism. So people can go to border911.com and look at, look at it. We have, the, I think, some of the best border experts on the planet. We got uh, Mark Morgan, a clear law enforcement officer. We got uh, Rodney Scott, the retiring chief of the United States Border Patrol. We got Derek Maltz, uh, DEA director who's been fighting the fentanyl crisis. And we got Jason uh, uh, Jason Jones, retired captain of Texas TPS Intelligence Division, who knows the cartels. I brought a team of, of, of career law enforcement officers, and I call them experts, not because they read a book or not because they went to college and took a course, but because they stood on the front line, the front line in their entire careers and fought the criminal cartels in Mexico. These men actually arrested people. They prosecuted criminal cartels. They did a lot of work on the border. So, again, go to border911.com and see what we're doing. You know what? I'm very, very proud to say that every single one of those gentlemen have been on my show. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, that, and that tells a lot about your show, right? I mean, <laughs> a lot of shows you are they're talking to these talking heads, these policy people, and you know, some of these policy people are pretty good. But that says a lot about your show and and, and uh, your character because you're bringing out experts who've done it. Yep, that's and, exactly uh, right. And I, that's good for you, Matt, because you're, you're hitting the right people for sure. Uh, I want people to hear from the from from the folks on the ground, not from me. <laughs> you got it. You know, again, I, I've been with you at a lot of events, and you know the border very, very, very well. Well, if you're going to have guests on, sounds like you're bringing the right people on there who really know the new really and add to, add to what you already know. Yeah. And, um, you know, don't count yourself short. I've seen you speak, and you, get, you know just as much as I do on this, so I appreciate that. I appreciate you tremendously. Thank you very, very much, Tom. Tom, we've been speaking with Tom Homan, uh, expert uh, on the border crisis and uh, great gentleman. Have a good one. Take care, my friend. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, a good friend of mine who is a sheriff over in Kimball County, which is in uh, west of San Antonio, which is Junction, Texas, for those of you who are familiar with our state. And uh, Sheriff Alan Castleberry. And uh, he's been on our show before. Last time that we had him on, we chatted about um, he had stopped some illegal alien Chinese in his in his community. And uh, I wanted to get him on now because uh, here we are in a situation where not only the border has become much more open than it was then, but um, we also have a conflict in the Middle East where folks are threatening uh, our country. So um, welcome to the show, Sheriff. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us. George, thank you for having me. Let me ask you, first of all, um, give us an update. What is going on in your county? Well, first of all, give the audience a description of your county and then tell us what's going on regarding the uh, border traffic. Okay. Kimball County is about 90 miles west of San Antonio on I-10. I am responsible for over 1,250 square miles in that county and around 4,500 people. Uh, there are little small communities, Roosevelt, Texas, uh, Segovia, Knoxville, and London, and, of course, Junction. Now, uh, given the area, the amount of area that you've got to cover, um, it makes it uh, very easy for people to sneak through, I would imagine. Yes, sir. Uh, most of the population in uh, Kimball County live within the city of Junction, and the rest of it in uh, junction is probably about five square miles. And how how has the uh, border conflict or the border, the open border, the border crisis, um, how has it affected your community? Um, our arrests have climbed uh, nearly a thousand percent during the last year, and it's progressively moving higher on our percentage as far as arrest. Uh, the majority of our crime, it's a quiet community. Uh, a lot of it is your normal uh, things that would go on. Uh, 
DWIs, uh, narcotics trafficking, uh, and your family disturbances, loose livestock, things like that. What about uh, what about chases? You know, we, we hear a lot about uh, car chases uh, at, at the border, uh, people evading and uh, trying to, you know, uh, drive away or, you know, just being chased by the, by the police or Border Patrol or state troopers, whoever. Our uh, pursuits have increased. Uh, last year we had uh, approximately 40 high-speed pursuits. In, in years past, uh, our average was maybe three to six a year. Mm. Well, uh, the uh, the situation with uh, your resources. I know that um, some of the counties have really been hurting uh, for uh, personnel, for staff, for support, uh, for money because they've run out of money as well. Uh, what's your co- county looking like in that aspect of it? Right now, we're closing out the first grant operation in Lone Star. Uh, we have an application in now to renew that grant. Uh, we at this point we don't know how much or if we're going to receive that grant. Mm, okay, so you're still up in the air about it. Yes, sir. Wow. The um, uh, let, let's talk about what is happening right now at the Middle East in the Middle East and the situation that you've got with uh, your own uh, efforts to keep security and peace in your community. Uh, Hamas. And uh, Hezbollah have made it very blunt and plain that they want to, uh, that they will act against the United States, against its citizens, if uh, uh, the United States gets involved in the conflict. Given that we've got that wide open border, uh, you as a law enforcement officer, I mean, not just talking about Kimball County, but you as a law enforcement officer, what, um, what, are your, what are you looking at? What are your concerns on that aspect of it? Well, it's Monday in the RGV of the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, they've apprehended 19 Iranians and 17 Syrians <laughs> since Monday. Oh, jeez. That uh, makes me feel safe. <laughs> what you have to look at is the gotaways. Yeah, right. Uh, the The big question is, are they good people? Are they bad people? Exactly. Are, are they terrorists that are going to meet up with uh, their cell? Uh, did they bring anything with them? That's that's the big question. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, speaking of good or bad people, I mean, not only – I mean, now we're concerned about the terrorists. But in the past, uh, I'm sure you've picked up uh, folks that have been on uh, uh, criminal wanted lists, have been, you know, uh, arrested previously and snuck in. Oh, yes. We, we, received, we have gotten uh, cartel members. We have people uh, – that uh, were wanted for various crimes that had snuck across the border. Of course, we had the the, the Chinese immigrants that had snuck in. Uh, we've had several uh, of these individuals picked up by uh, Homeland Security, a uh, couple by the FBI. Wow! Tell us about that incident again, because uh, that was uh, that happened. Uh, a year ago or so, or maybe a little bit longer than that. Tell us about that situation when uh, when you encountered the uh, Chinese illegal aliens. Uh, one of my deputies was out on regular patrol and uh, stopped a vehicle that came from the south of Highway 377, uh, conducted a traffic stop, and uh, I believe there was five <laughs> Chinese immigrants that were in the vehicle. Uh, he contacted Border Patrol. Border Patrol spoke with them over the phone and found that they were here illegally. Uh, we took them to our office, uh, and uh, they were picked up immediately. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, uh, uh, to be encountering Chinese illegal aliens in Junction, that's amazing. Yes, sir, it is. The... Uh, uh, have you encountered since that and then any other Chinese or any other uh, other than Mexicans, as they call them, uh, uh, aliens? Uh, approximately three months ago, we encountered a group. It was a mixed group of uh, uh, folks from Mexico, Venezuela, and one Chinese. Mm. So, so the situation continues. Now, 
what is it that you guys do when you encounter these folks? Do you, uh, you I imagine you call Border Patrol to come to come and get them or somebody. Yes, sir. Uh, what we do is when we encounter uh, these folks, um, we'll speak to them. And uh, if uh, we'll do an interview and if we find that uh, they, we suspect that they're here in this country illegally, we will contact Border Patrol. Border Patrol speaks to each and every one of them through our phones. And uh, uh, and they're running their checks through their systems to see if these folks are here legally or illegally. And then they'll pose. If they're not, they'll put a detainer on them. Mm-hmm. And we'll hold them. Border Patrol comes and picks them up and then takes them to their stations. Processes them. Processes them, yes, In some form or fashion. Yes, sir. Uh, the, the situation with, you know, this open border and everything that's happening, the, the trafficking, what uh, what solution? What uh, what is your thought about what needs to happen to address this problem? Well, the federal government uh, needs to quit playing around with it, using using it for a political tool, and get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there people? Do we want people from other countries here? Yes. Do we want do we want them to be productive citizens? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be you got to go by the rules. Gotcha. Uh, if you don't go by the rules, you have people coming in, and we've all seen it. They they walk the streets. They can't do anything because they have no credentials to do so. All they got is that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. They're here, so who's paying for it? That's true. That's true. And and the situation again, uh, you know, again, we don't know how many have gotten away. We don't know who they are and um, what their intentions are. And uh, I, I, you know, again. Given the two things that are happening, this open border, Sheriff, this open border that's allowing all these people, and in major communities and major cities like San Antonio, like Austin in particular, where they have the defund the police movement that's very, very uh, active, um, what do you think the results can be from this whole situation, from these two things? Well, as you can see, we can see it at West. People from the bigger cities that are the cities that have said we're going to defund the police. We're not going to give them the tools that they need. These folks are moving out of those bigger cities yep. because they're tired of it. Mm-hmm. They're tired. Uh, you have to wait 30 to 40 minutes in Austin uh, for an officer to come. Oh my gosh. And a lot of times the dispatch will call you and say, hey, you call and say, hey, I've got a guy burglarizing my house right now. Well, as long as he's not doing anything to you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help it. I cannot help but giggle on that one. And it's just, or I've heard stories about convenience stores getting robbed. Uh, It'll take us an hour to get there, but go and write everything down and let us know. It's uh, that's not protecting and serving. That's not. That's not. And then on top of that, we've got. We've got uh, district attorneys like the one here in San Antonio that uh, uh, says that if it's a minor crime, he's not going to prosecute it. So I'm not sure what what uh, defines a minor crime in his mind other than, you know, he makes the determination. To me, if I get burglarized, that's not minor crime. No, sir, it is not. It's, <laughs> uh, any any felony is a major crime. Yeah. I mean, when they enter your house, your domain, whether you're there or not, you have been personally violated. Correct. That's correct. And that's how you feel. Let me ask you a final question here. Um, you as a sheriff, uh, what would you ask or what do you think needs uh, the sheriff's need uh, right now uh, to uh, protect their counties, to protect the citizens uh, from this uh, illegal alien invasion, this open border, as well as the threats of um of terrorism we need for the federal agencies to cooperate and share information Mm -hmm. the information is a key to everything uh i'm a proactive sheriff i'm I'm not one that sits and we wait around until it happens uh my deputies are active uh Mm -hmm. they don't sit on the couch they don't sit at the office they're actually out working, whether it be uh, people on the road that are broke down, uh, 
we assist those. Uh, we're looking for criminal activity. Uh, we're taking calls, doing, uh, taking care of uh those calls, whether it be just a call for assistance or a crime has committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that information is most, most important. If the federal government, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, if they have information, they need to send that information out to us to help stop it before it happens. You got it. Uh, and we need the funding. That's uh, it. The small counties such as mine, uh, Kenny County, Edwards County, uh, all these these small counties, we don't have the tax base to continue the fight. We've got to have help. You got it. Couldn't have, I, I, you know, I, I could not have explained it even better than, than that. I, I'm glad you, 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 have, you have hit on those points. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Sheriff Alan Castleberry from Kimball County, Texas, which is out in Junction. Uh, west of San Antonio. Thank you very much for joining us today, uh, Sheriff, and uh, be safe and keep up the good work. It's always, thank you for asking me, and it's always a pleasure to come visit. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, uh, Mr. Matt O'Brien, who is Director of Investigations at the Immigration Reform Law Institute. I wanted to get him on because they have been working on some cases, particularly one regarding, uh, well, I'll let you tell him, tell us. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, so this latest case is, uh, is part of our uh, Freedom of Information Act program. And uh, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services is supposed to apply the immigration laws as written by Congress. They don't have any authority to go beyond what Congress has put into the laws. And yet, Ali Mayorkas and his his, uh, merry band of co-conspirators over at the Department of Homeland Security are rolling out new programs for which they have no authority left and right. And one of those is a program whereby they are taking veterans of the American Armed Services who did not become citizens following their service and who have serious criminal convictions and have been deported because of those, and they're bringing those people back to the United States. Now, with the usual transparency, and I say that tongue-in-cheek completely sarcastically, that this administration has become known for, um, there hasn't been a whole lot of publication of how they're doing this, what the specific criteria are, or why they're doing this. And uh, I realize that this is a country where we try and, and, and be kind and good to our service people and, and to celebrate their service to their country. However, there's, there's two key issues here. One, we don't give U.S. citizens who are veterans a pass on criminal activity. If you're a veteran and you rob a bank, you wind up being tried. If you're guilty, you're convicted, and then you're sentenced accordingly. So why is USCIS all of a sudden uh, giving special preferential treatment to foreign nationals who are criminals just because they happen to have served, in some cases, very briefly in the armed forces of the United States? The other major issue is that many of these folks had an opportunity to naturalize. They couldn't do it because of their criminal convictions. And in a lot of cases, they were dishonorably discharged from the military. So this is yet another crazy Mayorkas program to kind of reward people who have broken our immigration laws. You know, it seems like they bend over backwards to get anybody into the United States any way they can. I mean, it, it just is. It, it's uh, it. It really, really it appears to me like they just willfully want to get anyone into the country, regardless of their background. Yeah, that seems to be what they're doing at the present time. Now, you know, I can understand if there has been a uh, you know some kind of a mix-up and somebody who was a veteran and uh, missed out on citizenship because of of some administrative error or something like that winds up in this. But they're now spending hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars of taxpayer money to locate these people who have been deported, 
by the immigration court. Their cases have been affirmed by the Board of Immigration Appeals, and in a lot of cases, uh, affirmed by the Federal Circuit. So court. they're going out and, uh, and looking for them. On top of that, yes. Oh my god! Yes, gosh. they're good. They're 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 seeking these people out and bringing them back. Now, where the Freedom of Information Act comes into this. The government is obligated to reveal records about these programs so that citizens who have concerns about them can petition their government for redress of their grievances. But this administration is not giving us any information about anything. We have been finding uh, that most of our Freedom of Information Act requests have been denied recently or have been met with redacted information that is non-responsive because you can't tell what's in it. So we have been going to federal district court and filing lawsuits so that we can try and compel the government to provide the records that we're asking for. And this is one of the things that early does that is not as well known. Um, it's not quite as sexy as the cases that go to the Supreme Court or to the Federal Circuit Courts. Nonetheless, this is an important way that organizations like Early, our associate organization, FAIR, and other organizations working on these issues get information to find out what our public officials are up to. What are they doing with the public trust and with the taxpayer money that they are supposed to be utilizing on behalf of the citizens of the United States for the benefit of their constituents. My gosh. Uh, what kind of, of crimes have some of these people committed that they are trying to get back into the United States? Uh, they range from drug trafficking to robbery to domestic violence. Um, none of these folks are, are particularly sympathetic characters. And, uh, you know, most of them, in, in terms of what's been portrayed in the uh, various media interviews that have been done of these individuals, are people who sort of had what I like to call an ex post facto come to Jesus. And when they have been visited with the consequences of their bad actions, they then all of a sudden uh, make these attempts to turn their lives around, which seem to be directly connected with... <laughs> Uh, the extent to which the U.S. government is willing to try and get them back into the country. And as I said, what, what's particularly galling about this is, um, you know, we don't give U.S. citizens who are veterans a pass. The fact that you were in the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, or the Air Force, if you turn out to be a bank robber or a murderer, doesn't give you a free pass. So a anybody who values law and order has to be asking, why is it, that Ali Mayorkas and, and the folks that work over at U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services think that in a time of, of limited money, limited resources, the Veterans Administration never doing what it's supposed to do correctly, that we should now be expending taxpayer money, time, and effort to return people who got a fair hearing in front of the immigration court and in a lot of cases got a fair hearing in front of the federal courts as well. I mean, these are people whose legal issues, as far as immigration goes, have been resolved. And Mayorkas has taken it upon himself to unilaterally declare that because of his great respect for foreigners who are veterans, he's going to bring all these people back to the United States. That's a, you know, it follows the same pattern as all of these DAs and major... Uh, in major cities like Los Angeles that uh, don't seem to uh, incarcerate people. They seem to uh, give them very low bail and send them back out into the, into the streets. It seems to follow that same pattern. I, I don't understand this uh, love affair with criminals. Well, they seem to be looking for any kind of bumper sticker excuse for finding that people who have engaged in criminal behavior are not responsible for their actions and are somehow victims. And, you know, that's particularly distressing with regard to veterans because, you know, following the Vietnam War and a lot of Hollywood films and things, um, you know, a lot of veterans are now portrayed as these sort of damaged people that can't control themselves, they're suffering from PTSD. Right. Correct. And, and, you know, that's not true. My wife is a veteran of the United States Army. I'm very proud of her service. She's very proud of her service. 
uh, a lot of our friends are uh, people that have been in all different branches of the service, many of my family members. And, you know, these are all folks that serve their country. They were very proud of their service. Most of them took a lesson about how to be a patriot and a good citizen from their military service and went out and made productive lives. Most of these people who are being pulled back into the country by citizenship and immigration services on this program for which there is no congressional authorization whatsoever are not people who display the finest traditions of military <laughs> service. They're, they're, they're not a Thomas Sowell who served in the Marine Corps during the Korean War and then became one of the most prominent public intellectuals in the United States. These are people who got out of the service, and not because of any service-connected trauma or disability, went on a crime spree. And then when they're sent back to places like Mexico or Nicaragua that don't tend to tolerate criminal behavior the way that we do, they come crying back to the United States and say, oh, I'm a victim, I need to be returned to the U.S., the place where I didn't bother to get citizenship because I was so engaged in criminal activity that that wasn't a priority for me. And you know, with all the other problems that we have in terms of border security and, you know, as we can see with the situation in Israel, border security yeah, is, is fundamental. Exactly. And this is not the time for DHS, which has other problems it should be dealing with, to go creating any kind of special programs. Uh, but, you know, where they're continually doing uh, programs, special programs for people with criminal backgrounds uh, or for Venezuelans and Ukrainians, while they're failing to secure the border and give people that live along the border in Texas and Arizona the type of security that the United States government is responsible for them, it just makes no sense to launch into this kind of foolishness. But what's even worse is clearly they're engaged in, in, in some kind of deception here because they don't want to provide any records about what this program is, how they administer it, and who's being brought back in. And those are fundamental questions that citizens of the United States have a right to ask from their political leaders, whether those political leaders be elected or appointed, or for that matter, working in the civil service. You got it. Buddy, we're going to let you go, but please tell tell people how they can uh, support and, uh, and help uh, 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 the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Sure. Well, there are press releases and reports on our website, which is www.irli.org. There's also a link there to our podcast where we discuss a lot of these things uh, in videos that you can find on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, uh, and a couple of other major uh, platforms for podcasts. Uh, the links are right on the site, and if people use those services, they can just Google this, and there'll be links that uh, come up very easily. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our friend uh, Matt O'Brien, who is uh, Director of Investigations for the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Matt, thank you very, very much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, George. And once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador in San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.